first topic tonight. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, had a little incident that uh, I guess you could say brought me closer to the Lord, and uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, a couple, three years ago when I was driving down south, uh, I topped a hill, and it was about this time of year, topped a hill, and there was a a deer and, and I, I'm like, oh no, don't do it. And sure enough, he stepped out in front of me and by the grace of God and the effective brakes, I didn't hit the deer or wreck, but I noticed on the radio right at that time, Alabama's song, uh, give me one more shot was playing. And that exact phrase was, you know, going right after I missed that deer, give me one more shot. And I was like, Lord, has it come to that? I mean, are we down to our last shot, you know? And so this little incident that happened kind of resonated along those lines. So I felt like the Lord was communicating that I wasn't putting him first. And I'm still working through that as far as, but because honestly, I, I thought I was. <laughs> and so just trying to, to work through all that. But I thought it would be a good topic for us to... Uh, talk about tonight what, what does that verse mean to you guys so I, I'll start first from the standpoint of in my basically trying to dive as deep as I can into that passage I've just come up with a, and I'm I'm prone to do a formula and I don't know if that's good or bad but I, I'm I love a formula especially if you can get one from scripture and so the two uh, formula uh, formulaic points here are simply uh, seeking God's kingdom first and then seeking his righteousness. And so I've, I've boiled that down to two basically thoughts. Seeking his will is thought number one and seeking his way is thought number two. And so if I'm going to effectively seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'm going to pretty consistently ask myself, what is going on here in God's kingdom that he wants me to pursue? And, and you know, so in other words, throughout my day, I'm going to be asking myself, very similar to the experience in God training, uh, where is God working? Where is his kingdom work at? So seeking his kingdom first, and then how would he want me to accomplish this? Seeking the way, which I believe is, is righteousness and the such. So, and, and I mean, it's very simple. Uh, that, that's pretty much it. That, that, that's, what I'm, that's where I'm at, I guess you could say, on a spiritual level right now, trying to train myself, if you will, discipline myself to ask the question first, what can I do here for God's kingdom? And then how does he, want, does he want me to accomplish that? Where are you guys at on this verse? So uh, the, the context of the, the verse is after a discussion of worry and Correct. preparation. And man, that's the real struggle there. The struggle is real for me. You, you I, I struggled to... Instead of prepare wisely, fret about it, 
and and do it under a, a spirit of fear. Well, I got to do this just in case this happens, or I've got to pray for this. I got to make sure I got enough toilet paper just in case we have another run on toilet paper. No pun intended. But <laughs> you just keep thinking about those things that uh, if I don't do this, I may be punished later. If I, you know, the the, the uh, planning for everything is just not possible. But you can see right. that people that do plan for everything. Uh, I won't mention any names, but Craig Lookbetter comes to mind. When I, when I think it, he's he's thought everything through, um, and in in comparison to me, I'm I'm kidding, but you, you feel like you're going to be punished if you don't plan enough. You feel like you, if you plan too much, you've lost the day. You've lost living today if you worry so much about planning for tomorrow, and it's just literally impossible to be ready for everything. So the, the summary verse there, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, brings it down to a, a, a focus. You, you focus on these things. You remember that you work for me, that you were my employee, and you have to conduct yourself as my employee, and everything else is going to work out the way I intend it to work out. Very good. I, I don't remember the first guy that said it. I've repeated it many times, but... If we will make God's priorities our priorities, he will make our priorities his priorities. And that's the proper, you know, uh, or the, the appropriate, and, and the word's not coming to me, but uh, way, you know, way to approach it. Tom, what about you? Well, uh, I was excited to see um, just the scripture in the verse, what does it mean to me, because I couldn't remember it offhand so that challenged me to dig in and I'm going to read it let's see what this is asking me to do so when uh if it was like John 3:16, I would have an opinion on it right now but this one it caused me to dig into it again I knew the scripture once I read it but um I so but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you so I asked myself what is this first telling me to do and I broke it down but seek first so I looked up, so what is seek? And seek is a verb. Uh, that's an action. So I have to do something. I have to move. Its definitions are attempt to find, attempt to desire, to obtain or achieve, or ask something, ask for something or someone. So I was like, okay, so I rewrote that. But attempt to find first. And uh, instead of seek, attempt to find. And uh, it's not telling me second or third. It was first the kingdom of God. So I know I'm looking for something. And then, so I looked up, so what is the kingdom of God? And the best scripture I could find was Luke 17, 20 through 21. And this is uh, in Jesus's own words. It's saying, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he who is Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, exclamation point. I think that's important. Or there, exclamation point. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So I added on to the scripture. So, but attempt to find first Jesus, and then the scripture continues on, and his righteousness. So I looked up righteousness, and what is that? Uh, the definition is the quality of being morally right. Um, so, and then there's the end part, and this is the reward. All of these things will be added to you. So I asked myself, so what is being added to me? And I went back into 
starting in chapter 1 of, uh, or chapter 6, verse 1. And uh, needy, or, uh, so not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing, talking in the beginning, being humble. It says, when you give in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So, okay, I'm getting a reward. For if you forgive others and their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. This is in the next, let me look here. So this is in um, giving, there's giving to the needy, then the Lord's prayer. And then, uh, so forgiving others or trespasses, and your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So I get forgiveness. Um, then it goes into fasting. Uh, you fast in secret, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you. So here's another reward. And then laying your treasures up in heaven, starting in verse 19. Uh, so for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Um, and God is in heaven. God sent us Jesus. Uh, so what is heaven? Heaven is immortality, life everlasting. So after giving all the definitions of this broke down scripture, it was, but attempt to find first Jesus and his quality of being morally right and rewards, forgiveness, and eternal life will be added to you. And uh, I question that because when you add something, the definition, um, it's not given to you. Because if I were to give one of you a coffee cup, you could lose it. But if something's added to you, it's like adding sugar to Kool-Aid. It becomes part of it. So all these rewards and all these forgivenesses um, and this immortality is added to me. Uh, so I cannot be separated from it. So uh, this scripture, what does it mean to me, um, was no matter what happens in my life, I know I'm forgiven for my sin. Um, I will live forever. Uh, God is forever on his throne. And um, when I die, I will live forever with Jesus. Uh, so uh, if I go back to the original, uh, be, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. It's basically, if you can just chew on it, it's the perfect life. You know, what's going to happen is happen, and God is in control. Very good. Uh, I'm reminded of the passage in Proverbs uh, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. And this is the my favorite part. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. And so, you know, seeking first the kingdom of God, uh, a lot of times involves discipline and, and hard, hard work uh, to seek what it is that God wants for you. Any other comments, gentlemen? Yeah, just to what ran across Solomon's, uh, when he asked God for wisdom, he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for God to supply him with everything. He asked for the ability to do what God had called him to do. It was kind of the same. He had the right focus uh, on joining God in what he's doing. He was using Solomon to, to rule over his people. And because Solomon asked for wisdom to do the job that God had called him to do, he added everything else to him, kind of similar to the, the verse he sought the um, kingdom of God and his righteousness. Of course, wisdom is part of that righteousness. God added everything else to him, wealth and honor, riches. 
Right. Uh, if I could, uh, a pretty quick thing. Um, Tom Rudloff, I like giving him props anytime I can. A one-time member of this church and now a pastor at uh, Evergreen Baptist. He sends me handwritten devotionals uh, every day. You know, they're not torn out of a calendar, and it was not a coincidence. I got this one today from him, and I think it references this verse. Um, he said, there are nights when you can look up and see millions of stars. Other nights you see none. Sometimes it can be because of cloud cover, but sometimes it can be that we just don't look up. I believe this is the same thing with our relationship with God. We should train ourselves to constantly be aware of his presence in our life. The stars are there whether we see them or not. God tells us, I will be with you always, even till the end of the earth. Recognize his continuing presence and enjoy those stars. So uh, I enjoyed that, and I think that sums up partially that verse for me as well. Good stuff. All right. Uh, topic two, uh, Thanksgiving basics. Here we are. Uh, Lord knows it's not going to be anything like normal, which uh, that word has been taken out of most dictionaries for 2020, I think, and that's okay. Uh, but uh, hopefully and prayerfully, most families will still be able to get together and enjoy Thanksgiving festivities. But with that said, uh, we know from the history of this holiday and as such, it's not about food, even though we enjoy food at those times. Uh, it's about the whole premise of being thankful, being grateful and the such. And so uh, I was curious if uh, you guys could uh, give us your take on uh, the scriptural backing to the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, and then, you know, what what is your disciplined approach uh, to make sure that you're living a life of gratitude. And that's not to say that you did that today as much as, as you go, go along and as you, cause you know, for me, these things are cyclical. Uh, the, the, they come back around, you know, you, you do really well during this time of year and, uh, around March. If you're not careful, you, you're not as thankful as you ought to be. Uh, and then comes Easter and, you know, so there, it's cyclical. So uh, I'm not necessarily, uh, expecting you guys to be on your uh, A game every day as much as w when you are on your A game, how, how do you do that? How do you keep that positive perspective, uh, that attitude of gratitude? Tom, if you don't mind, why don't you go first? All right. Um, best scripture I could find, First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And, and there's just infinite amounts of that same scripture written different ways in the Bible. But that one speaks to me. And basically, it taking every thought captive. Um, I wasn't as disciplined in this area for a long time. And I don't know if it's when, um, I think a big part of it was when my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And it was the first time mm. we walked through the valley of the shadow of death. That's the first time life and mortality became real to me. I know it's the first time it became real to her, you know, because we were in our early 30s. You're immortal when you're in your early 30s. And uh, we realized that's not true. And uh, mm. there, there have been days that we've missed. But as a practice, um, in a lot of it, like in the last uh, segment we talked about, a lot of it's in secret. You know, take those quiet times with God and just speak with him. 
But uh, a couple of things I wrote down, um, you know, each night we thank God for the answered prayer of having that day to enjoy. Because each night when we go to bed, we ask God to, if it's his will, allow us to have another day. So we acknowledge answered prayers, and that, that list is long. Um, each morning when I walk out to work, I look at the stars, and uh, a lot of times uh, I just say, wow. You know, looking at them, and I, I tell God how beautiful they are, and I thank him for that morning. Um, we do our best to pray at each meal. And uh, you were the first person, Pastor Ben, that um, I've ever prayed, I think, in public, not at a sit-down restaurant. We, me and you had coffee years ago at McDonald's, and I guess we got some biscuits because we prayed. And I remember it was odd for me because I'm like, here we're at McDonald's, we're praying. <laughs> and so now it's an absolute custom to pray at meals, especially at home. And we not only thank God for the food, we thank God for the hands that prepared it, um, be it a Mexican restaurant or my wife. Um, we thank God for my job that allowed us to purchase it. You know, uh, Then um, every night we thank God for removing Lindsay's cancer. You know, We try not to take a night that we don't acknowledge what he did for us and our family. Uh, we, a lot of times people say, well, why do, you, why do you have to say it? God doesn't need to hear you say it, but no, we need to hear ourselves say it. Amen. And uh, and that is, you know, mirrors on many of our other prayers. Uh, one more here. Um, we pray and we thank God. Um, let me see. I can't even read my own writing. Oh, okay. Uh, when we do pray, um, we've had a lot of challenges these last couple weeks. Um, a lot of the church knows that. Uh, we have some friends going through some heavy things. And we will go in a circle wherever we're at and pray as a family. And we thank him for being a God that is willing to allow us to come to him. And I picture walking to his throne room. You say it all the time, the assault the throne room of God. And I just thank him for being such a God that no matter what's going on in the earth, he is able to pause and listen to our words. And uh, so that I try to keep that a constant practice all day. You know, and uh, the only thing that hinders me from that is usually anger. And, mm. uh, and so that's something and it come leaps and bounds over the years. But uh, if I can keep myself humble and happy, I'm usually in conversation with God. Very good. Yeah, uh, Tim Hawkins has taught me now. I even pray over my ice cream. Yeah. I ask the Lord to change the molecular structure of that ice cream into the molecular structure of a carrot stick. <laughs> We've joked. That's I have the, I have the faith to believe that he'll do that. No, uh, uh, Tim Hawkins loves to make fun of people that pray over their food, but uh, the reality is, is that I'm thankful for everything that uh, the Lord provides, and I, I do believe, and and there it is scriptural to to pray over your food, and uh, I think it's a witness that, that we ought to do and such. Uh, that's good stuff, Tom. I know you guys have had some special struggles, and I'm, I'm thankful that that we are able to give thanks uh, over those things. Hey, Gavin, what about you, brother? So, so uh, the, the idea of Thanksgiving, I, I thought about doing a historical review of the first Thanksgiving, but it's not, it's not that as personal as I'd like to be. Uh, in, in every instance, almost every instance, that I've just been felt blessed and maybe even overwhelmed by blessing, I, I, it, it just automatically flowed into thanksgiving being grateful 
for what was going on or what blessing that God had brought in my life. And there was also something else that I, was kind of surprised me. I really wanted to share it with somebody else, the, the, the blessing or the, the thanksgiving, <clears throat> to make sure somebody, Denise, for the most part, in times in our life when we've been blessed, I would think, I really wish Denise was here that, that I could share it with her or, or tell her about it and, and enjoy it and live it um, in Thanksgiving and, and um, in the right attitude. Um, so I, I think that's uh, maybe the way God made it. And, and it's the right attitude, I think, is to be thankful for when things happen that are either unexpected or expected, things that you planned and then they finally came to fruition. <clears throat> Being grateful for those things, I think, is, is critical. <clears throat> I looked at the Old Testament, I just went through a kind of a scripture search of thanksgiving. And in almost every verse in the Old Testament, I'd say 80% of the verses that mention thanksgiving also mentioned praise. It's almost always, it's almost always connected to praise. Um, I, I think that's natural too. When, when you feel grateful, you automatically flow into a, a praise of the God that has brought it into your life or given it to you or blessed you in that way. Um, and we ought, maybe we should be sure to do that and not, not just think, give thanksgiving, but to praise the God that was big enough, gracious enough, patient, patient enough, um, loving enough to give us whatever the circumstance is or whatever the blessing is. Um, <clears throat> just a short list. <clears throat> Excuse me. Second Samuel twenty-two fifty. Therefore, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. I will sing praises unto thy name. Second Chronicles 16, 8. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. That's praising him. Sing unto him. Sing psalms, songs unto him. Talk ye of his wondrous, wondrous works. And there's, there, it just goes on and on all through the, the book of Psalms, but there are multiple in the Old Testament as well. So, so I think it's a way of life we should embrace and see in everything as God's will and giving thanks for it. Tom read that uh, verse in First uh, Thessalonians, where this is the will of God concerning you. you. When you're young, you may not be satisfied with that, but as you get older, you see that the course of your life has been blessed and protected. It's just overwhelming at times. I'm, I'm getting to be a big crybaby now, and 57 years old used to, you know, used to be a little bit hard-nosed about some of the older guys that would cry in services when they started talking about God, but man, I just start bawling when I start thinking about the things that God has done for me, um, and the way he's protected me, and the way he's made a way for me, um, and I, reminds me of that song uh, Mendisa sings, even when I don't see it, he's working, and then I come to an open place where I can see what he's been doing all along. I'm just so grateful and so overwhelmed. I think it's a good way to live, to be thankful. Um, Having a holiday that's specifically dedicated to that, I think is really good for our culture to, to remember that being thankful for something that you have really helps you enjoy it, really helps you experience it in a way that God intended for us to. Amen. Uh, you know the oh. expression that you never really appreciate something until you're without it and uh there's there's a lot of truth there uh so again I, i've had a little bit of a breakthrough 
uh, with this. For me, uh, I, the favorite verse, uh, the Lord used this to get me through college, uh, Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, be worried for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And uh, of course, the follow-up verse there in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and keep your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, powerful, powerful verses. So as uh, Brother Tom so pointedly brought out here, I was in one of my areas to hunt here recently and um, thinking about this subject, uh, preparing for this uh, Bethel radio hour. And I just started, you know, looking at the trees and uh, it wasn't long, Gavin, that I saw a maple tree. And so Amen. I was thanking the Lord for maple trees and, and then it hit me. Uh, everything that I tried to think about and thank the Lord for, it was a thing, but that thing was connected to either a person or people that brought that thing into my life and or made it special. Uh, hunting, of course, for me is very relational, whether it's with my son, with my family members, whatever the case may be. I got started hunting because of a friend. Uh, I, I was able to hunt in college because of friends. They took me to their places to hunt and the such. Uh, I got into maple syrup because of Dr. Hooks uh, and Al Morocco. Uh, God actually planted the seed with Al Morocco way back when, when he owned the uh, piece of uh, Seven Springs Ranch there on Yellow Dog Road uh, and the such. And, and all of these things are connected with people. And so for me, it was a little bit of an eye-opener that, yes, we, we should be thankful for the things in our life, but most, if not all, of those things are connected with relationships, which are eternal. And so ultimately, the Lord's going to bring you around in your thanksgiving to thanking the Lord for people that he has created. And, you know, I, I, for me, that's where it really gets significant, you know, and, and I think certainly in our relationship with him, he wants to know that we are thankful for, again, the things and the possessions that he provides, but ultimately he wants us to be thankful for the relationships that he has provided. Uh, and of course that goes in with what we talk about quite a bit uh, with core principle and, and you know, the, the, the golden rule, uh, the, the two commandments in the New Testament and the such, get God and others. And I am, I'm, I'm, and, and you, you know, you think about it and this isn't being anything, but just straight up honest. I have nothing, literally nothing except for Bethel Baptist Church. I don't own a home. I don't own property, so on and so forth. Uh, the retirement that I have is because of Bethel. Uh, the house I live in is because of Bethel. The uh, utilities are because of Bethel. You, I mean, uh, if it wasn't for the Lord's church, I would be in a very sad state of affairs type thing. Now, a person in the world listens to that and thinks, well, my goodness, what a mooch, you know, uh, and that's okay. Uh, the reality is, is this is God's provision for me, and I'm extremely grateful for that. 
I was going to add, and the gray hair is from Bethel. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. You're welcome. No doubt. Uh, uh, one thing, if I could add on to that, that I forgot about, is realizing, kind of along the same lines of what you said, I have nothing without God. Uh, so when we pray, like in our meals, we pray that if anybody's looking upon us, that they know we trust in God, the giver and taker of all things. And, you know, uh, so many times, and especially in, you know, sec secular atheistic view, um, it's like, oh, I did this. I did this all by myself, patting themselves on the back. And it's like, you know, it, it, God gave me the strength to pour concrete, or he gave us the legs to walk into, do maple syrup. And it's just everything about it. And when, like you said, you don't realize what you have till you lose it. You know, I lost my use of my arm for two months. I couldn't plug in a TV. And it was like, wow, who, what, what do I have left, you know? And so it is amazing how fragile we are without his grace and, you know, hand of health and healing and, and everything. Yeah, you know, you, you break the hip uh, and a wrist and you, you learn pretty quick that all these things that we treasure and maybe we don't treasure them and that, that may be part of the problem we, we take these things for granted but we we ambulate you know all over uh god's creation and we take that for granted uh, and you lose that for a little while and, and then the next time you're able to to walk much less run or climb a tree you're like wow praise god you know i i can do this and and that that promotes thanksgiving it promotes gratitude and i think that what i've shared with people is is that 365 times in the bible so one for every day there's a verse that says something similar to faint not or be encouraged give thanks something along those lines and in my humble opinion i believe god foreknew that america and our you know our populace in the world would be prone to depression we would be prone to getting discouraged. And so, you know, 365 times in the Bible, one for every day, God does not want us to be discouraged. So how do we get out of that? We thank him. We, we are, we, we make ourselves, and I love that word discipline. We discipline ourselves to be painfully aware that if it's not for God, we wouldn't be anything, we wouldn't have anything, we wouldn't be able to do anything. Getting back to my notes. So I, I put uh, several verses. I'm sure you guys found the same verses. The Lord is my strength, my shield, in him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and perform your vows to the Most High. I love that verse that says that uh, we make a, a song, you know, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, enter his courts with praise. I never will forget, I heard a preacher say, uh, you know, the, the Bible refers to us as sheep. Well, there was only one way that a sheep entered into the temple of God, and that was to be a sacrifice, you know, uh, and that that sheep, was supposed to enter the courts with thanksgiving and praise that he was counted worthy because you couldn't be a sacrifice for God without being without blemish. And so that, that's a very interesting thought. 
Well, I'll uh, pile on to the sheep. You, I don't know how long ago you preached it, but you said you can look at a spotless lamb on the side of a mountainside from, you know, a mile away, and it looks snow white. And when you get closer, you know, you start smelling the stink and seeing the flies. <laughs> and that, that lamb is more yellow and green than it's white, you know, if you really got up close. And from that sermon Ouch. and that analogy, you know, I think about my sin. And when people get, we could all say it, you get that close to me. You, you don't want to see some of that stuff, you know. And that, that's one of my arguments for the uh, I'm good enough to get into heaven argument, if, or not argument, or discussion with somebody. And, yeah, it, it all boils down to, again, what are we without God? That's it. That's it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, th that's one thing that I, we all, because we're human, are prone, you know, the, the, the expression birds of a feather flock together that's so true but within you know humanity and then within christianity we're really not allowed to exclude anybody there is no one too bad for you and i to love and to befriend uh one of the books that god used to really shake me on that was um Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Jim Cimbala. And he's not our flavor of denomination, but I, I believe he's a child of the Lord and a wonderful preacher. And he uh, had an experience where, because they just blossomed as a church there in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, a homeless person, like the fourth service of that day, uh, they have a auditorium that holds 1600 and they fill it four times a Sunday. And so on that fourth service, he was exhausted and wore out. And this homeless person came up during the altar call. He just assumed that he was there for money. So he reached into his pocket and the man said, no, 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 I, I don't want that. I, I want the Lord that you're talking about. And so he, he led him to Christ right there in the invitation. And after that man prayed to receive Christ, he, he held his arms out to hug Jim Cimbala, a man that probably makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because he pastors a megachurch. With that said, he heard the Holy Spirit say, hug him. And so he had to basically force himself to hug this man that had been living in the same clothes for possibly years. He was urine soaked and the such. And the Lord said, breathe in smell and he did he took a huge you know sniff of this guy and jesus said to him this is what i died for and he said it just brought a new level of brokenness to him and humility that you know yes the lord blesses his children and some of us and i'm not talking about myself some of us are blessed more than others but nobody is blessed so much that they're not encouraged, allowed, if you will, or even in, uh, demanded by God to love any and every one. It, it seems like it's almost a cyclical thing that the Lord will bring someone into my uh, sphere of influence that I have to I have to check my pride and I have to check my uh, whatever you want to call it, 
so that I make sure that I'm humble enough to love anyone and everyone. Because as Gavin so aptly says, but for the grace of God, there go we. Uh, Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And I, I often do that. I, I like telling the story about when I crashed the Pentecostal tent revival. And uh, I was quickly, quickly uh, convicted because I was the most judgmental person in that tent. And, uh, you know, I, there was a young man sitting next to me that kept stepping out. And I didn't know what he was doing. And I realized when he come back in, he would smell whiskey. You know, he was stepping out, taking a drink, and coming back in. And even in that, I, I thought on that a lot. And I was like, but he was convicted enough not to do it in the tent. You know, and then I saw people worshiping in ways that I didn't worship. But I'm like, they're worshiping. You know, and, uh, and it, it, I wrote it in my Bible. It's in the front. So if you ever find my Bible, you can read the story. But yeah, just looking at others, hey, they're better than me. You know, they've got their relationship with God. I've got mine. But yeah, but you said it, being humble. Way back when we were doing the, uh, the EE program, which was an evangelism program that we did here at Bethel a while back, we, we learned a verse that was um, in Matthew 5, um, 48. It says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And we learned that as a, um, a demonstration that nobody, nobody is sinless, nobody's worthy of heaven, it, you can't be perfect, or, or that's the, the standard of perfection is God. But in, when you read that in context with the previous verses, back going back to 43, that the context of that verse is loving your enemies, loving the people who don't love you. When, when you're able to love everyone, to put everyone in that category where you love them, that's the, the perfection that we should be working toward. And your story about Jim Sabala and that the homeless guy reminding me of that, some people are really hard to put in that slot to, to love. And you know, if, if we're seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness, right, right there's the key. Being able to put everybody in that box where, you know, you're loving them. Um, and according to Jesus, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, it's like loving God. God takes it as love when you love your neighbor as yourself. Um, there's the motivation. If you, if you want to be accepted before God, then love his created beings. Uh, ben, if I can, because I said it, uh... August 12th, 2016, Tent Revival, St. Clair, Missouri, raining amazingly hard. Lindsay's in Arkansas with the kids to see Petball, her grandpa. He's fighting. He eventually passed. I have prayed to love the unlovable. I've prayed not to judge. I have already seen worship, what I feel is true worship, not that others have, but what these people have. Ones of the outcasts of the society, ones that I would have turned away in another life. I'm excited. That is that the Holy Spirit asked and told me to come. And uh, that boils down to taking every thought captive, too. That's why I like writing stuff down. I haven't read that since four years ago. But uh, I just wanted to share that, tell you guys a story. There it is. Good stuff. Yeah, and one thing, too, in my experience, and some of it has happened even this week, that because, you know, as believers and churchgoers and preachers, we like stories that have these just super ultimate endings, you know, uh, where everybody gets saved 
saved or everybody comes out of a horrible situation, whatever the case may be. And we, we all have some of those. We all have some of those experiences and stories. But for every one of those, I have about 15 where I don't have a clue as to what to do for this person or how to help this person. Uh, it usually doesn't end up in, in a great story as much as I, I see them almost as tests. Am I going to do what God asks me to do, even if it doesn't work out in a way that's going to end up in a wonderful illustration in a sermon? And so, you know, I, I can, can tell you in phone calls and or counseling sessions, I've just been completely thrown on the mercy of God's will and, and you know, give me the words to say, what do I do? How, how can I help this person and the such? And I think that's the, that's the key. I, I'm willing. I'm, I'm not angling for a way out of it. I'm not making excuses why I can't help so on and so forth. And, you know, we've all been there too. Uh, but uh, I truly believe that part of a, a grateful and thanksgiving attitude is being willing to help those that, that can't help themselves. All right, gentlemen, topic number three, best Thanksgiving memory from each panel member. Uh, Brother Gavin, it's your turn. Do you have a best Thanksgiving memory? I do. It's just as uh, all of my stories about my childhood are weird. I mean, there's if you want to know what my childhood was like, watch the movie The Christmas Story, where the, the <laughs> that, that's pretty much a, a snippet from my life. Um, so, <laughs> what's that? Fragile. Yeah, it's yeah. A big yeah. gift, big prize, right? <laughs> uh, a major award. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so, so I my birthday falls on Thanksgiving, so it's kind of connect. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, necessarily Thanksgiving without the, my birthday being blended in there. I, I remember getting for my birthday one year a, it, it, I, I think it was a Crossman CO2 pellet gun. Oh my goodness. Me and that pellet gun became best friends for a couple of years. But the, I got it on my birthday, which was like right before Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving. And then I had the whole Thanksgiving weekend to get used to it, to start using it. Everything, every leaf, every stick, every can in our yard had a hole in it by the end of that weekend. Um, but that—that that was one of the. I mean, is that, isn't that terrible? <laughs> not, not. I got to see some one of my loved ones that had been gone for a long time. But it was the, getting that uh, Crossman CO2 pellet gun. It just lights up my uh, my memories of that time in life. Sorry, I'm thankful for it. <laughs> it's it's the memories I have so few you know and the ones that stick out that's you know a blessing in itself I really had to think on this one because I shared a couple weeks ago how little we do on Thanksgiving and how little we do on Thanksgiving comes from probably the terrible Thanksgivings we've had leading up uh, but I, I did dig one out and I referenced Lindsay's grandpa um he was a big man. I got to preach his funeral. You know, he stood huge, deep voice. When he'd shake your hand, it'd come up to your wrist. And uh, he, he died at 80. And at his funeral, there was these men, ancient men, you know, come out of the woodworks to come honor Dub. And uh, it's the simplest things. But 
one of the Thanksgivings is he always did his own peanut butter crackers, and he would take Ritz crackers and smear peanut butter, sandwich them, put them in the jar. And coming into that family, that was a tradition. That was just such a loved thing. You would think he was making little gold crowns for people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I enjoyed it and appreciated it at the time. But now him being gone years now, you think, man, something that small, so precious to a whole family. And, you know, so that, that was a wonderful memory, you know, thinking of him doing that. That's cool. Would he dip them in chocolate? No, uh, no, he just put them in the jar. I don't even think he ate them too often, you know. And it's like if you really think about it, like the day of COVID, it's really gross. But you know, you know, no, no. But you know, I, I guarantee, I guarantee that uh, Granny right now, she's uh, she just recovered from recovering from coronavirus. She's going to be eighty-one. I guarantee she still has a jar of those at her house, and she would probably let the the grandkids eat out of them. So I need to watch that next time we see her. So. Yeah, it was a great memory. <laughs> well, so my memory is is honestly uh, kind of similar from the standpoint that it centers around food. I know that's a shock to everyone, but uh, and I've shared this before at Bethel, but uh, it, it was so impacting because uh, my dad, being a preacher, we moved every two years. Uh, we only stayed one spot for five years uh at Jonesboro and that was during my high school uh career if you will but previous to that and after that every two years we were moving somewhere and so uh my grandmother and aunt were our lifelines to something steady and someone that we really wanted to spend time with uh my aunt uh, Bobby never married so she could absolutely focus on us three nephews, and she did. And my grandmother, of course, was widowed when I was about four years old. So she focused on her three grandchildren. Uh, and so it was a big deal. And we literally lived nine months a year waiting for November and uh, December, I guess 10 months a year, technically. But, uh, you know, my math struggles. Uh, so we, when we would go to grandma's house because every other year they would come to where we were but every other year we would go to grandma's apartment and she had a buffet which is basically a, a wooden uh, piece of furniture and that buffet would be absolutely covered with desserts uh, blueberry cheesecake a German chocolate uh, coconut cream fill in the blank and as a little kid that you know, never had a governor on him when it come to eating. Uh, I'm telling you that that was just a little slice of heaven each time. And, you know, even though as a younger man, when I would think about that, that was always the highlight. Uh, the reality is, is that the highlight was grandma and aunt Bobby, uh, again, pe people and, and relationships. Um, and so, and grandma didn't have big apartments. I mean, it, when we, when we got together, there were three rooms basically to for all of us five Kingston five and, and grandma and Aunt Bobby to so so we had a lot of close fellowship and and it, we had a laugh we would uh, tease joke share we would watch Razorbacks we would watch the Cowboys play on Sunday or actually I guess it was Thanksgiving on Thursday 
Uh, and that was back when the Cowboys were actually good. Uh, and, and we really uh, enjoyed those times. Uh, those were, that was the first thing that came to mind. You know, it was pretty neat. We never lived in a big city. Uh, Jonesboro was the biggest city we ever lived in, which of course, compared to Longdale is a huge city, but going to Little Rock was always neat. Uh, and, and like I said, watching the, the Cowboys play on TV. Uh, you may or may not have heard, those of you that are sports fans, uh, Kyler Murray uh, connected on a, they're calling it now a Hail Murray instead of a Hail Mary. And the first person to do that was Roger Staubach with Cowboys. He made the Hail Mary famous because he connected on it several times to win games and I think a Super Bowl or two. And so I say that those are just favorite uh, memories of mine. Guys, got anything else? Well, I got I got a couple more things, but it's kind of a downer. So if I share that, you guys got something upbeat to bring it back up before we close. Me and that pelican did. We did have a parting of ways. I shot my window out in my my bedroom one one day. We had to part oh. ways, so that didn't end so well either. Man. That's awesome. <laughs> well, the, no, you. Uh, <laughs> Um, and, and I know we'll bring it back. Uh, we only talk about things like this, um, you know, for Christian love. And like you said, three weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago, maybe four, when we were talking about a church's best outreach. Is it events? Is it door knocking? Is it? And one of them was relationships. You just touched on relationships. Uh, Thanksgiving, we've roundly talked about relationships. Um, so I wanted to share something that... Um, has been going on, and, and it is the season, uh, and it's probably terrible to even say that, but it's uh, suicide around the holidays. And uh, relationships are very important. And uh, within my sphere of friends, one person removed from each friend, we've, uh, in my shop, know three people that have committed suicide in the last two weeks. And, you know, you, mm-hmm. guys, you guys know on the news the, the lawyer that jumped off the building. And uh, I know it sounds like a downer, but I've shared with the men on my crew, you know, these are grown, tough men, that, uh, you know, have that relationship with people and reach out to them and uh, encourage them and just watch for the signs. And then yourself, too, you know, if you're struggling, reach out to somebody. And, uh, you know, Christ is always there, just like in that one text I read, uh, even if you can't see him, he's there with you. So I wanted to share that and, uh, you know, a PSA, public service announcement, so coming from... Bethel near you. Amen. Tell us about something else you shot so we can laugh. <laughs> I, my mom heard it happen in the living room, and I, I went out and I was going to confess that I was goofing off in my room with shooting things through the window, just, you know, air shooting, and it was loaded. And uh, she, she was, I was figured out she was going to take the gun when we were done. But she saw how shook up I was, and she figured I'd had enough punishment so I put it away for a while voluntarily that must have been big for you to have a co2 rifle what year was it was in the 70s it's probably 80 79 80 something like that yeah that's a big deal especially it's huge yeah crossman uh, co2 rifle was a big deal and I almost shot my eye out Yes, they were. So, yeah. uh, well, I, I think that uh, what Tom is saying is extremely important. Um, I, it's something that I've got my 
finger on the pulse of, at least I'm trying to, uh, because as far as I'm concerned, you know, when I was uh, a young preacher, I basically, you know, we'd have folks that would live together. And, and I got to where it, it was so prevalent that I just called it extreme dating, you know, uh, anymore. Um, it's, it's just another level of dating uh, and the such. Well, suicide is, is an extreme form of counseling almost anymore. Uh, the, the problem with that, however, is that it's over, you know when you take that therapy, it's done. And, and, and now we can sit here and argue on whether people understand that. Uh, it's it, most likely they do. And they've weighed all the consequences and felt like the pain overweighed the, or outweighed the consequences. And of course, you know, my loving argument to that is, is that unless you can truly weigh the consequences of the people that love you, you can't accurately understand the, the weight of that choice. And, you know, again, we're not here to put anyone down or anything of that nature, but speaking to someone that is still living, uh, I, I would just beg them to, you know, let God fight their battles and realize that death is something that he, keeps for himself. Uh, your time of death is his will. He, he wants to be in control of that. And uh, with that said, I do agree, Tom, that we need to, you know, make sure if, if someone, and, and you know, you used to think that, well, I'll, I'll know because they'll act really sad. No, sometimes a person that's made up their mind, they're, they're as happy as they can be uh, in the such. So, you just got to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and ask some probing questions. Uh, and, and as far as I'm, you know, we joking now about awkward being awesome because it is going to be an awkward conversation, but you would much rather have that conversation, especially if it still happens, knowing that you did everything you could to prevent that loss of life. Oh, According to this, we've yeah. got three minutes. Uh -huh. Well, the, just to piggyback on that uh, one last time, that's another thing to be thankful for, that uh, if you're still here on this earth, you haven't found yourself in that decision. You know, uh, and you just said it. I, I don't think we can understand it because we're still here. A person that does something like that, uh, we could argue if they're in their right mind. Um, but uh, with that said, yeah, that, that's one of the things. It's just thankful for being quote-unquote normal. You know, just, just being able to live and breathe and... You know, not be ailed and plagued to find yourself in it. Even a situation like that, uh, far be it from that. Yeah, just, just thankful that we're here. In in uh, year Amen. 2020, uh, if you had any inklings about somebody, not, not, I would strongly encourage you to call them. That because of the the stresses of work, the stresses of home, the stresses of you know the community that we're looking at more restrictions on lockdown more isolation of people, all the other added challenges this season will make it even more challenging for people who are struggling with that. Um, so be more vigilant than ever this year. If you oh, can. absolutely. And we've talked about this at length now. What is God preparing us for? You know, if 2021 is just a home run out of the park, we're going to be like, wow. You know, we're seeing some things we've lost where <clears throat> we're feeling things we've lost. You know, Pastor Ben's locked up at his house right now, you know, on a video. Uh, so, you know, uh, we can see what 
things we lose. Wouldn't it be nice if we were all, this church had 400 people in it, nobody was afraid of a virus or nobody had died of the virus, but this is reality. So just being thankful for what we still have and looking forward to the future. Let tomorrow worry about itself. But uh, just if we wake up in the morning tomorrow, thank God for it. Well, according to the number for Sunday, I'd be glad for 140. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. And I'm kidding, of course. Uh, Brad uh, said that he just was shocked. Of course, you know, we we had the perfect storm. We had deer season, COVID, you know, and such of that nature. But it is what it is, and I'm thankful for everyone that was able to come, and I'm thankful for those that were staying home because, you know, for the sake of everyone else, it just is what it is. But uh, God's going to get us through it. Amen. It is 8 o'clock. I want to thank everyone for uh, being here tonight. Uh, it's been pretty cool having a, a backseat view here, Randy and Julie and everybody. Because <laughs> I'm behind you. Look, look at the computer behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and we'll do this. Uh, we'll do this next week if we have to. But Tara was just in a position she could not leave the hospital type thing. And so we need to pray for her and, and all of our uh, first responders and such of that nature. Uh, pray for blessings upon them. Uh, is there anything else, guys, before we go? Remember the Burnettes. The Burnettes are struggling with this COVID thing, too. And Ken's, yes. Ken's in the hospital. He's yes. not in ICU Ken, anymore. But Yeah, uh, Ken is in the hospital. And uh, they basically got word today that they've got two days to make a decision what to do from there. So brother Gavin, would you close us in prayer? Heavenly father, we thank you for this time together. We're just so grateful for each other. Uh, just pray your blessing on each person here and each family help us Lord to uh, focus on your kingdom and your righteousness. And I pray that you would make yourself known in each, the heart of each person here, nothing more encouraging Lord than to meet with you. I just pray that for each person here, each family that's represented. In Jesus' name I pray.